Greetings, horror fans. I am so excited for you to listen to this conversation I had with Daniel about the book Carrie. Next week, we are going to be discussing the movie Carrie from 1976. So come back if you'd like to hear us talk about that. Uh, Spoiler warning, we do talk about the book Carrie in its entirety. And also a warning, we talk about a lot of strong themed material that is in the book, like rape, murder, uh, menstruation, witchcraft, and all the things. So if that doesn't interest you, perhaps go and listen to something else. Otherwise, please enjoy the super fun episode. Was it for magic? Or was it because the other girl loved I think it was like... Set in New Orleans. Part of it. Um, so long. I have to watch the movie Mortars. That's such a good so long. What, Tales of the Time or Bone Thievery? Bone Thievery. And my, vampire my mom went on a date with a vampire. She did? How did it go? Did that happen in the movie? Is that a good guess? Have you ever seen Peter Jackson's King Kong? The movie where Jack Black wears no makeup? <gasps> Is that what was going on with Jack Black? That's the main thing that I remember. Oh, well, so do you think Jack Black was on cocaine during that film? I have no way of knowing, but okay. I mean, Jack Black, as far as I'm concerned, um, if anybody's entitled to do a little <laughs> cocaine, Jack Black is not the person I'm going to be mad about. I actually love Jack Black. So do I. He's wonderful. Yeah, he's awesome. I was just asking because my husband and Anthony both said he was when I mentioned that his character seemed like it was on cocaine. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's method. I guess. Where's his Oscar? That is one of my favorite characters of all time. Really? Yeah. His character yeah. in that movie? in that movie. Oh, wow. After we watch it. Of that movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, just for a fun adventure movie. His Majesty and Naomi Watts' character. His Majesty? <laughs> king Kong. He's a okay. king. Um, is that a romantic relationship? Funny you should ask. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I would describe it as a romantic relationship. Would you? From what I remember. Do you think it's a reciprocal romantic relationship? Like? Like King Kong loves Anne Darrow and Anne Darrow loves King Kong back. So I feel like within this question, we're presupposing that the romance exists in one direction, which is very obvious. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's obvious that King Kong feels that way about Andero or that Andero feels that way about King Kong? Like, which is the more obvious way and then which is the way that is it reciprocal? Oh, I feel like it's more obvious that King Kong loves Andero just mm-hmm. because I think like that's kind of the story arc through all of the King Kongs. Uh, and then I guess it's less obvious. Well, I, I don't think it's less obvious, but I think it'd be that'd be the more one where you'd be like is she if ann darrow loves king kong or not mm-hmm. yeah i can't say i don't remember it super well the she d word what is that die. you're yeah. not allowed to say die on tiktok oh you're so not? people say okay. d word and she did not kind of d word okay a lot of other people did though which happens with any good adventure i guess <laughs> <laughs> right this podcast oh speaking of dead people <laughs> Uh, oh, maybe that's not a great way to like let them know. So we're recording oh, uh, in the cemetery. Maybe not. But um, it's a spooky podcast. Right, it's a spooky podcast. But I don't know. I don't. Are you spooked out at cemeteries? Uh, not 
necessarily. I actually quite enjoy cemeteries. Yeah, I think they're lovely. Um, my grandma lives near one, or she lives near one in Makwao, and I always enjoyed walking through there. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, it's peaceful. I used to I walk like my dogs up here every oh, yeah? day, and I would, there's a Baha'i prayer for the dead that's like really lovely. Oh, cool. Or not the prayer for the dead, the prayer for the departed. But um, yeah, it's just really love, a, love, a lovely prayer about like asking God to like bless. But when I was in New Orleans, the one thing that I wanted to do was go to the cemetery, and we never did. Visit Nick Cage's remains? Oh, is Nick Cage down there? He has a pre-purchased um, uh, thing. He's not dead. I know, that's why I was like, wait. No, but he has like a pyramid. He does? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Did you know about the girls on Tumblr who stole bones? No. So this is why Tumblr is my favorite um, social media. <laughs> I don't even know website. how to use Tumblr. It's bec well, it's for the unhinged. Because like Facebook has like its own like you know kind of vibe, and Twitter is like whatever Twitter is, and Instagram is for like the beautiful people. But Tumblr is really for like the mentally ill. Okay. But there's a lot of things I'm just gonna talk about like the dynamics of my favorite social network. Okay. The reason I like it is because it doesn't have any of the things that allow you to be like a successful influencer like it only has chronological posts it doesn't show follower counts and um there's no like algorithm or um artificial expiration of posts like you'll never see in your feed a five-year-old instagram post hmm. but tumblr it just depends on people reposting oh. so uh, the shelf life of a single post it can go for years and years and just keep building up notes and traction um, but anyway huh, I'm talking about Tumblr because like the drama that happens on Tumblr <laughs> is completely unmatched yeah. there was a quote-unquote witch not that I don't believe in witches I just don't think that this person was a witch um, a quote-unquote witch who she was like mm -hmm. where um, bones are like coming up out of the ground and I've been collecting them and doing like magic with them. Mm -mm. Right, terrible. And it's like, okay, let's maybe think critically for a little bit. Why are these bones coming up? Probably because they were poor people. Who are the poor people in New Orleans? Black people. So like, this is just like <gasps> black here. people's bones that were not able to be buried properly, which New Orleans cemeteries, they're above ground, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a area prone to flooding. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, Bone thieves. There was also uh, one girl who sent another girl her toe. Oh my god, it's such a good website. Why? I don't know. I, I don't even want to know why. No, I mean, I kind of do want to know why. All... I don't know, maybe somewhere between like... Is this magic? Or was it because the other girl I think it was toe? medical catastrophe. <gasps> it's just, it's so good. I never would have thought Tumblr was like that from like the three times I've been on there. I've never, I could never figure it out. Like, it doesn't hold my interest. Yeah, I don't know. You just got to find, like, a couple good people, and then from there Send you find more good, good people. Okay. So, so, so I can find out about this bone thief. But also, robbing cemeteries, tale as old as time. Not that she robbed it, but, like, you know what I mean? People right. used to do that since, I don't Just like in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yes, exactly, just like. Tale that was that reference. I've never actually. Does that happen in that movie? Was that a good guess? What tales all this time or bone thievery? Bone thievery in <laughs> that film. Maybe the original one. I feel like okay. So there's a really cool. If you've never seen. Oh, you're wearing a Cinderella mask. Oh yeah, I am. My friend made it for me. Uh, I love Disney. Duh. Uh, if you've never. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that, like the first time I talked about Disney on here. Uh, if you've never seen the original. 
Beauty and the Beast film is like black and white from 1930 something mm. and it's in French and it's like La Belle et la Bête. You can watch it on YouTube. It's actually pretty good. I want to say there's a cemetery part in there. Huh. So it all ties in. <laughs> yeah. Just like our Lord and Savior Kanye West said, everything in the world everything. is exactly the same. <laughs> Which brings us to a question I wrote that down when I got home after Daniel and I recorded the last podcast. Oh, this is Daniel, honey, by the way. Hey, baby. And I'm Corey Lovejoy, which I never said the last time. And I guess, like, I should say those things. Um, so you know who I am. But the question I wrote down was, is everything Carrie? Uh, maybe not everything. Because some things are Sue Snow and some things are Chris Hargensen. <sighs> You're very right there. But I would say both of those things exist within any kind of horror story. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. But um, when we went home, we, not together, so we went yeah. to our separate homes. Um, we were texting back and forth a little bit mm -hmm. of different things that we thought for sure were Carrie. Yeah. I forget the one that you told me. Oh, I remember you told me the Joker. Right. The Joker. The Joaquin Phoenix Joker for Which, sure is yeah, Carrie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like any kind of like horror underdog story is Carrie, in a sense. Right, because he has, right, well for the Joker, it's like single, kind of unhinged mother, weird paternity mm -hmm. situation. <gasps> You're right! Bullied, um, outcast, and then weirdo transformation, and then chaos and destruction. You're right. Following a traumatic, pre precipitating moment in the public eye. Yeah, you're right about that. That is super, super close. I can't find what I texted you. I might have said it out loud. We text a lot. We're friends. I'd like looking at all this like Chengdu taste. Oh my God, there's a Chinese <laughs> restaurant here now. Ugh, I'm so excited to go. Corey got to go already. Oh, I know what I texted you. But I don't know if it was in uh, context to this exactly right now but there was that documentary called scream queen about oh, right. the nightmare on elm street 2 and like the final final girl mm, i don't know character concept in um horror films i kind of want to talk about that film but maybe not now but at okay. some time because i really enjoyed it and it made me have a lot of questions i love anything that makes you look Closelier at something. Closelier. So did the sissy space that carry come out just two years after the book? Yeah, and that was a really fast turnaround. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, and funnily enough, the book I Anthony and I were talking about today, The Bear, came out in 1976. There was a lot of fun things happening then. Um, Twilight came out in 2006, and then the movie came out oh. in 2009. You've seen Twilight? Yeah, I've watched all of them regrettably yeah. twilight the original <laughs> very good directed by katherine hardwick a genius absolutely underappreciated uh and i think it's because she's a woman i'll take that it. feminist mantle on this podcast right now um katherine hardwick is fantastic the baseball scene oh my god the soundtrack it's so good it's so stupid it's so wonderful the baseball scene, I don't even remember. So they just take a break in the middle of the movie to have this vampire family play super oh, baseball in the woods. I remember that to, um, yes. Like the metal song. Yes. The yeah. Super massive black hole. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. I just remember being obsessed with 
The glitter. Right. It's a great, I mean, so I read the first book. Have you read any of the Twilight books? I read the first one and I read the fourth one. Okay. I read... Bad choice. That one is long and boring and nothing happens. The fucking, I don't know what fucking number this is, but the very last Twilight movie, the, the end of it, fucking awful. I won't spoil it for you, I'll, the audience, if you hadn't seen it, just go have an awful movie experience by yourself. Um, but I read the first book and I did not like the way her writing made me feel. Mm. And I felt like her writing was not that great. But it was the kind of writing that gets stuck in your head, I thought. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no. So I just watched the movies when they came out to find out what happened. Because I did want to know what happened. Right. Yeah. Just the fantasy of like the super powerful creatures that are also able to be super tender and like yeah. love her. I and mean, stand in your window and watch you sleep. A love story about a vampire. Where do I sign up? I was obsessed with, were you obsessed with, you probably weren't even born yet. Were you obsessed with Anne Rice's, uh, what the heck was that called? Vampire movies. They were, it was set in New Orleans. Part of it. Um, with my, vampire my mom went on a date with a vampire. She did. Oh, no, no, no. Um, that's oh. a Disney Channel original <laughs> I movie. was like, wow. Disney. <laughs> I believe it. The Mouse Corporation. Did you know that uh, Pretty Woman is a Disney movie? No. Yeah, Julia Paramount. Roberts? Yeah, that's a Disney film. Oh, is Paramount under Disney? Uh huh. So that's what Disney. That's what Disney uses to make more adult-esque films. Oh. Uh, if you have Netflix, there's that series called the movies, the movies that made us or something. Oh. Yeah, they talk about it on there. But yeah, Disney film. So yeah, Disney's a little spicy sometimes. Um, oh, which... I don't think that Twilight is Carrie, but which? No, I was gonna say which leads me back to Carrie because in Carrie they talk about Song of the South, which right. is a Disney film. Which is, I like, eh, I don't think you're allowed to watch that film anymore. You definitely right. cannot find it on Disney+. Plus. And then they're turning their Splash Mountain ride, which is based on a part of that film, into uh, the one with the, the, the frog princess. Yeah. So Tiana from uh, New, or- New Orleans. Uh, What's happening right now? <laughs> um, so that actually, what you just said about the Song of the South reminds me of something that I wanted to talk about last time but we didn't and so thank you for that um okay uh fucking kanye west seen... everything is everything right exactly um <laughs> seen, but looney tunes there's a an old looney tunes tape that or it's like there was like a re-release of looney tunes cartoons or whatever and um they put a disclaimer on it which said um like it was something along the lines of as times change, the way we perceive like art changes, and we aren't gonna hide this away um, because I we think it's important to preserve like this picture of the mm-hmm. culture at that time. I love that. Even if nothing else, to see how far we've progressed, something along those lines. Yeah. More eloquent when they said it, but um yeah. So that's um, the song of the south thing made me think of that, and also what I wanted to talk about. We talked about Chris Hargensen, the girl villain in the story well i mean that's so funny i call her the villain even though well whatever i, I mean because she sucks because she's whatever. she sucks sorry i was gonna say something she like pushes carrie over the edge but so we were <sighs> like eh, she sucks she's boring we don't want to talk about her but I, there was one thing i wanted to mention which okay. was that she is explicitly white supremacist anti-black racist because yeah. it shows in her internal monologue that she uses the n-word and i thought oh. that was interesting because that's the only place it comes up in the book and it's something that sets her apart from the other characters as like a particularly Oof. cruel bad person. 
And I think that's a really interesting tell that in 1974, like right on the heels of the civil rights movement, that um, I think that using somebody's usage of the N-word to portray that they are a bad person, I hope that didn't make an irritating noise, I just knocked my microphone, <laughs> to portray that they are a bad person, I think that would not go over as well today. I think there would totally be, if you used that as a storytelling device, there would yeah. be like armies of people being like, freedom of speech! So that's a really great point because I think it illustrates a couple of things. A perspective, which we've talked about, and the fact that like some people can't get out of their own way to hear something or learn something or experience something in a way someone's trying to get them to experience for whatever reason like if it pertains to the story or the character or whatever mm-hmm. so it was a really nice catch I don't recall when that happened from what I remember it was like a form of that word I'm I we think, don't have to talk about it but I, think I just it was, she was talking about like literally like not wanting them to live in the town oh um, okay i don't really remember there was something i don't know if you're interested in talking about this but there was something i wanted because i was also like fuck it fuck this chris harginson character i fucking hate her because she sucks um <laughs> but there was something that i thought that stephen king did that i've seen done before and i was kind of like is this still a thing today and i think to an extent it is but it was when uh, she was having sex with Billy after they changed the tire. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It was like, I wanted to mention that, too. He was kind of rapey, but she liked it. And then fucking Carrie's mom, spoiler alert, fucking Carrie's mom at the end of the book is like, your dad raped me. She didn't say it exactly like this. But your dad raped me, and I liked it. Right. <laughs> and I and, was like, what? Right. And I thought that so um, contributed, cause, contributed to the air of like I really don't want to be like witness to this but I cannot stop reading because it's it just heightened that we're already in the situation where Carrie and her mom are in this vicious conflict is that when Carrie Uh -uh. Uh, that's right before she gets stabbed okay yeah so that's when Carrie is like exercising her power to gradually slow her mom's heartbeat and she's like mom I am controlling your heart it's oh god, going I love that slower part so and much. slower. Oh my god, it was so intense. Yeah, it was. But so um, good. in the midst of that, it's this like scene where it's escalating. It's and it's escalating, and um, she's already wreaked havoc yeah. uh, at the um, the prom, and now she, she's going back to this. And then Carrie's mom throws that out there that, and I liked it. Oh and it's just like I don't want to know that. Um, I have notes too about um the rape, um. No, I don't, because I really stopped taking notes, because I couldn't, like, there was a lot. tear a, myself away from the book. Yeah. It was so, like, what happens, what happens, oh my god. It's <laughs> good. Like, it's... like, Daniel had finished it before me, and I was like, how was it? And he was like, it's thrilling. And I was like, ah, I mean, I, we'll see. And then I was like, fuck, this is amazing. <laughs> like, it's... And the way King tells it from all of the different perspectives and viewpoints and the things he talks about, like... The thing I found most fascinating was him talking about everybody, like, being able... Like, Carrie wasn't just wreaking havoc on the town. She was inside their minds. Right. Like, I <gasps> thought that was fantastic. Yes, I thought that was so interesting. Yeah! In 1974, to talk about that shit, I was like, damn, Stephen King. But then I also felt like he knew what his... He was playing to his audience, whether it was conscious or not. I don't fucking know. But by adding in all of, like, the courtroom... uh 
narration yeah. and the scientific articles and stuff like that. So it was like, here's this really fantastical idea that most of us aren't going to think is true in 1974, but here's physical evidence. And I was like, shit, is that why we have ghost hunting shows? <laughs> totally. I, I actually found my note about the rape. So there, the okay. one thing that I wrote down about the rape was, oh, of course we have to know that Chris is hot during it, that the teenage girl getting raped is hot. Because right. it specifically describes like her flat stomach and her long, oh, yeah. thin legs while Billy, like, She's you know. She's so hot, you guys. Takes her. Um, I also put down, in that scene, um, the tire blows off and they have to change it or whatever. Yeah. And then... Um, I just thought it was so funny where Chris at one point is like, bring me that toolkit, babe. <laughs> and then literally it shows, and this part of the story is being told from Chris's perspective because the next line is just seven question marks and then she was <laughs> flabbergasted. I just thought that was a very like funny bit of writing. So yeah, like the way King wrote this book, like that little question mark shit, brilliant, like just gives you like tells you so much without there being any words in the sentence and then at the end uh when carrie kills billy that's his name right yeah and chris uh you get these little peeks into what they're thinking in their head and like he tells you so much about these people with just like a little nonsensical just a little interjection yeah in the middle of like the car flipping yeah and it's just it's just done so well but I also feel like that's what makes it hard to translate a King novel into a movie or television series because it's all that like inner dialogue and him so this so I didn't watch any of the films but we both kind of watched some previews of Carrie and in not one of them did I see a fucking closet with a blue light and I was so disappointed (sighs) Because that was the creepiest fucking bit to me. Right. Yeah. And before Carrie goes to prom, doesn't she shove her mom into the prayer closet? I think she does. I can't remember. But I do know that there was no fucking way her mom would have let her out of that house in the pink satin dress that you see in every Carrie movie. Oh, yeah. No way. I was like, there's no, like, she would have. It would have gone down before the prom if that was her actual outfit. Yeah. Did you happen to screenshot the description of the dress? Uh, I can find it really easily. Um, The dress is described as having a princess waistline, Juliet sleeves, and simple straight skirt, and her tea roses pinned to her left shoulder. And this and the color is like the maroon yeah, satin. Yeah, it's red. Or maroon velvet. Yeah. Which like velvet? Ooh, I've, sexy fabric, Carrie. I know, and I keep thinking of like the dress that like Juliet would wear in Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I picture. Yeah, with like the poofy flouncy sleeves, and yeah. then a princess waist is not right under your bust, but like maybe halfway between your belly button and your waist. That's where like the fabric jets out from yeah so if you've seen the television series rain that dress those dresses mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like a period movie but they dress very non-periody it's it's all right so like speaking of the book sorry i keep doing all these i keep like clicking my tongue and like cracking my knuckles and when i was listening to the I, recording i was like oh stop it daniel stop yeah. it no i so, totally have a thing i do that i'm like stop doing that sorry but folks whatever. um but to talk about like the movie in the book uh and like the movie experience i watched and both of us we watched 
the previews for the movies, um, just because we were like excited about the book or whatever. Uh, and I think watching the preview of a horror movie from 1976 <laughs> illustrates a really interesting shift in like what the movie going experience is that happened, I think, really recently with like the Avengers and stuff, where I think that the Mouse Corporation turned the movie release situation paradigm into like a one-time big event that is like a consumable thing and then you're done with it mm. as opposed to like um an advertisement for art that you will enjoy because um the entire plot is revealed in the trailer of Carrie mm -hmm. in a way that you would never see these days these days you see like interesting clips what are the visuals and we kind of get a peek into maybe who the characters are and the actors and whatever but with the Carrie trailer it's like Carrie White is a bullied young girl <laughs> You're they right. dump pig's blood on her at prom and she kills them all <laughs> you want to see how that goes and it's like hell yeah isn't that how the trailer for Quentin Tarantino those Quentin Tarantino films with the girl with the shotgun legs start I feel <sighs> like that's how they start is that Quentin Tarantino yeah oh I can't think of what it's called though weird that he would make a movie where one character only has one foot <laughs> Why? Because he's a foot fetishist. Oh, Jesus. I don't want to talk about Quentin Tarantino, but there's a lot I could say right now. Um, but yeah, I love that. It's like a pulp fiction yeah. kind of like thing. But I think back then that was just normal. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing how much things change over time. Totally. Um, so full disclosure, I did not watch the entire trailer for either thing I watched because I was like, that's enough. I didn't want to, I didn't want to know too yeah, much. You got to save it up. Right. I wanted to be like shocked and surprised. But I did feel like in the beginning of the 1976 trailer, they did a good job of like setting the scene for prom. I was oh, like, yeah. that's a 1976 prom. Yeah. It looked like prom. <laughs> it looked yeah. like the prom. I... With tables and the little stage. Yeah. And, and even the fuzzy yeah. like, ooh, dreamy. Oh, yeah. Prom. We love it. Did you go to prom? I wanted to talk about oh, prom. Oh, shit. Okay, I didn't even think about it, but yeah. Yes. No. You didn't? No. <laughs> Either one? No, but I okay. had a story. But I have a story. My friend Karina, Hi. who is, like, lovely and wonderful, she was going to prom, and I asked her to go, and we were going to go. Aww. And she was going to make a... And she ended up making a duct tape dress, and I was going to make nah, a duct tape suit. But awful. then it was it was just, like, a financial... Like, I didn't have any money in school, and yeah. I like, couldn't afford, like, hundreds of dollars worth of duct tape. Or, like back student fees because I didn't pay my student dues every year because I was like why am I going to pay to go to public school that's stupid and I didn't do activities and stuff um so I didn't go to prom neither did you guys just have one or two proms uh I I don't know what the rules are I think yeah. it's one prom but like if you're younger than a junior you can go as a date to mm. an older kid an upper class man we had junior prom and senior prom uh, and I went to both, and it was all right. Like, but you, how were the tunes? The tunes? Oh, terrible! Because nobody liked the music I liked in the nineties. <laughs> nobody wanted to do the Bosch bit at the prom. Oh, so that wasn't wasn't. It was all right. I mean, I guess that's just like an experience every person and every child in America thinks they'll have at some point. But yeah. then I think that's probably also like a very privileged <laughs> point of view. Yeah, and I feel like 
prom is kind of like a wedding where uh. you hear from people who have big weddings and they're like, oh yeah, I didn't really get to enjoy the day. Yeah. Or like people have, I don't know, you spend a million dollars on this huge thing and like people are like, oh yeah, I didn't even get to have any of the food. Like, like TBH, I'd rather sit in your car adjacent to the cemetery and record this podcast than go to prom. Ever. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Especially these days. Yeah. Like, nah, this is way better than any image of prom I could think of but for some reason I guess because it's like a coming of age passage thing right I think so yeah yeah that's like one of the hallmarks you hit on becoming an adult and then soon we send you off into the world I think graduation is like that for me too because I also didn't walk my graduation oh you didn't for the same reasons like I didn't pay the student dues and I also was like it's high school graduation like let's relax it's not like an accomplishment everybody does it (sighs) but now I I think about kids graduating these days. I'm like, no, no, it's a, it's like the time when you are acknowledged by your community as having That's passed true. into adulthood. That's true. Which I do think is important. And like, I have empathy for the people who like are missing it now because America like yeah. refuses to follow a rule. Um, but they love the cops, but whatever. Um, I went to, or I graduated from Kamehameha schools, so we had a really, like, you know, whatever. Banging graduation? Yeah, it's kind of fancy. But, um, like, yeah, it's cool. It's a rite of passage. I feel like the kids that graduated last year got one of the best graduations ever in the basin. Oh, yeah. With Kumaria flowers falling on them. Yeah. Like, hell yeah, I'll take that any day over a graduation ceremony in the Blaisdell Center. The Blaisdell Center? Yeah, that's where it was. On Oahu? Yeah. I thought you went to Maui. No, I got, I went to oh, I went to the Kamehameha in Oahu. Oh. Yeah, from 7th grade to 12th grade. Independent. How was that? I was a wee 12-year-old when my mother sent me away. <gasps> <laughs> my mom, when she was 14, yeah. she lived in L.A. Wow. Um, wow. And... On the way to church one Sunday morning, mm-hmm. they her parents were like, oh, we're going to stop at the airport real quick for a meeting. Have I told you this story? No, I've never heard They're this like, story. They're like, we're going to stop real quick at the airport for a meeting. They put her on a plane to South Dakota to go to Sunshine Bible Academy. That's so much worse than anything <laughs> that She said it was great. She liked it? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Because she met, like, friends, and she was able to have a good time. She said she had um, a mimosa on the plane, Ooh. and... Um, was it eggs benedict or i forget what exactly the dish was but it was something that was like or no an omelet i think she she said she had an omelet and the food was very good she was like i don't understand what they say about airplane food it was very good (laughs) and she was like and i got a little bit sick but it was okay and then she went over there and she had a good time because she didn't get along with her parents oh well that sounds i mean which you can imagine did you say south dakota yeah cool i always wanted to go to uh deadwood south dakota because i'm obsessed with the television show uh deadwood that's cool that's really neat I like it. She went home with another kid's family for Thanksgiving and she had an alligator. I had alligator in New Orleans. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go again. Put a little New Orleans. Uh, yeah, have you ever had alligator? I might have had alligator jerky once at vacation Bible school when <laughs> I was going to church as a Christian um, for the Australia-themed um Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They also had musk sticks. It's like a powdery kind of stick candy that 
it's it tastes like perfumey, like powdery old lady perfume. Like it was good. It's was delicious. This also Australian or Australian something? themed. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. Australian candy. So Philo got us a box of candies from Japan, and that was fun. Just there's some weird stuff in there. They have good flavors. I love Japanese grape flavored candy. That something very was specific. one of my favorites. Was the gum that they had, grape gum. Yeah. Yeah, it was delicious. He got it off of Amazon, so it was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And we enjoyed it. <laughs> was there anything root beer flavored? No, but there was this... We haven't actually tried this yet. There's this weird packet and you put it in water and it's supposed to be like beer. Ew. I know. That's why we haven't tried it Oh my gosh. Let me know when you try it. Okay. I'll Maybe I'll bring it next... Oh, I'll bring it or we can have it sometime. You can try it. But I don't want to take it away from Philo. He doesn't want it. Neither one of us really okay, want great. to drink it. <laughs> that's why it's still there because we're scared of it. <laughs> I'm down for an experience. <sighs> Ooh, an experience. We'll be then we'll be YouTubers and we'll try it. We'll be like two podcasting friends try Japanese treats. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so fun. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. Fuck. Alright, I just looked down at my notes and I saw Gym Teacher enjoying slap dash naughty. Fucking Miss Desjardins. <laughs> I hate her. And she only, like, she only cared about, like, people only cared about Carrie, not Sue Snell, I don't think, but maybe we'll discuss it later. But it seemed like only, people only cared about Carrie after the fact, like, after they had been shitty to her, and mm -hmm. then she blew up the town, and then they were like, Maybe that was Man. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And then just, like, when, because you get to hear from two different perspectives what happened when Miss Desjardins came up to Carrie at prom after the pig blood got dropped on her head yeah uh, right. so at first I and was she like survives <laughs> at first I was like Miss Desjardins like they're, she's there describing her as like laughing at her beforehand and I was like she wouldn't do that and then they'd say it from Miss Desjardins perspective later and she was totally laughing at her <laughs> yeah but, okay, there's two things I want to talk about with Miss Desjardins outside of that. One, she survives. So How, she can give her testimony at the end. Right, how's it about that? And then also there's um, this exchange between the two of them. Uh, let's see, Cory, do you want to read it? Oh, sure, which part? It's this one. Thank you, she hesitated. Okay. Then put a gloved hand on Carrie's arm. You are beautiful. <laughs> She said, and would Carrie, <laughs> I'm sorry. We all know. I'm going to put my phone on silent. It that's, hasn't been, but it's okay because nobody We all know that's some bullshit at this point. You're beautiful, she said, and each word carried a peculiar emphasis. It's not that I doubt Carrie's beautiful. I just doubt that they think this. Sorry. Yeah. Carrie felt herself blushing again and dropped her eyes to the table. It's awfully nice of you to say so. I know I'm not, not really, but thank you anyway. It's true, Desjardins said. Carrie, anything that happened before, well, it's all forgotten. I wanted you to know that. I can't forget it, Carrie said. She looked up. The words that rose to her lips were, I don't blame anyone anymore. She bit them off. It was a lie. She blamed them all and always would. And she wanted more than anything else, to be honest. But it's over with. Now, it's over with. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so foreshadowing of the foreskin <laughs> that's from another podcast i listen to okay. and i don't really know what it means but i love saying it <laughs> i don't know i was really like <laughs> foreskin that would have stood out to me in this book because of the way that they treat female versus male nudity like and okay Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the female form, but I just want to say, this is another thing I forgot to talk about last week, and it stands in very stark contrast to the way that he describes male nudity, which is the one point where Chris and Billy hook up. Yeah. Um, he just, Billy is naked sitting in the car, and he says, like, it's funny. It's like a joke, and then they have, like, a very serious conversation, and then after he puts on his pants, so it's, like, just paints, like, that these kids are, like, stupid, and it's, like, funny. It's, like, a joke. Anyway. No, but, that's... So, so interesting because I didn't even catch that it was so like nonchalant off right. the cuff but like I like just everything is like boobs in that book like part two starts off with a description of her breasts like and ends with all the stuff happens and whatever and these people survive these people don't there's all the interviews and whatever and the very last line of the narrative section of the book is and then Sue got her period it's like oh my god I feel like you Excess, excessive Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> <Excessive>. <laughs> I could have done with that. Bad Stephen. But on um, the paragraph that you read, I feel like this is this has such. When I read it, it had such like homoerotic overtones to me. I'm reading this and I'm like, this. I don't know. Just like the way that he's talking about like what came to her lips. I feel like it's written in oh, a way that's geez. very like there. It's like really illustrating chemistry between these two characters. And cause he also said like, she looked young enough to be a student. And this is the only moment that she connects with another person, Miss Desjardins. Yeah. And so she it's... did go <sighs> the typical male. I don't even know if trope is the right word, but the typical male trope of like, let me beat up this person that's bothering you, babe. So she did beat up Chris Harginson for her in the locker room. Mm hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think when I was reading it, I also had some kind of... I feel like I really related to the thing of, like, she says, I don't blame anyone anymore. Or she wants to say, I don't blame anyone anymore. Um, but that's not true. And she wants to be honest, but she knows, like, there's nothing that's good that's going to come with it. So yeah. she just bites her tongue and says, well, it's over with. Well, so I was thinking a lot about what Stephen King said about he never liked Carrie White. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's such an interesting point of view for the person who wrote that book to have. Because as the reader, like, that stuff to me shows, like, sh this girl's been pretty much abused and made fun of her entire life by these people. And she's willing to let it go and move on because she just wants to have peace and normalcy yeah um and then at the end when she kills after she kills her mom like the only thing she wants after that is her mom <gasps> yes i wanted i specifically wrote i was like can we talk about how at the end carrie is like begging her mom for comfort yeah, i was like so sad you're right because carrie's like laying there dying and she just wants her mom who's yeah. this figure who has never as far as we know, been, like, loving or anything. No. But still, it's the only family that she has. And she only... stabbed her in the shoulder. And she, she tells her. Carrie, this is fucked up. She tells Carrie that when Carrie was born, she had a knife and she was going to kill her. And then she's like, oh, but I weaken. Then she tells Carrie she's going to kill her at three, year old, three years old. But, oh, I weakened. I was weak. And then now she's going to do it now. 
So she tells Carrie all of these horrible things, including the fact that she was conceived by a rape that her mom liked, which pretty much means from her mom's point of view it was like a, an act of the devil. Stabs Carrie in the shoulder, and then Carrie kills her, and then like. That's I want the, my that's mom. that on that. Yeah. <laughs> I want my mom. Yeah, I want my mom. It's really awful. Which I feel like. So I. I've thought about that concept a lot, not just in Carrie, but just kind of like personal stuff. Um, and we have a bunch of chickens at our house and we have a rooster, so they have chicks. And what I've noticed is even when, like some of the hens are better mothers than others, but even when it's a bad hen mother, the chick still wants it. It doesn't matter. You mm. just, you kind of just. You always want your mother, I feel like, even if it's a bad mother. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, maybe not everyone. Uh, I've certainly done some work on that. But I think there is something to be said about, like, we, I guess, in society are sold that our mother's always supposed to be there to take care of us. And I always kind of thought, like, that's a people thing. But then, like, I see it in the chickens. And I'm like, maybe that's just, like, a being alive thing i don't know yeah yeah i totally hear that so i don't think that was too far-fetched off too far-fetched for like why carrie wanted her mom but i also felt like it showed that carrie was like not some like evil killer that purposely wanted to destroy the town because i don't think any of that would have happened if they hadn't eh, dumped the blood on her head a eh. right tripped her and then what was the other thing? Like, three things happened. Oh, they laughed at her. They laughed. <sighs> right. Yeah. And I think she was socialized into cruelty. Yeah. I don't think that she had it. And he does a good, a, a good job of illustrating the moment where she's like, she realizes, I can take revenge. And that thought, like, gives her, like, it makes her, like, giddy. It gives her, like, pleasure mm -hmm. to think I can, like, hurt these people back. So, like, in defense of Carrie in that moment, I feel like anyone who's been victimized would have that thought once yeah. they realized how powerful they were. I mean, it doesn't make it right, but it doesn't make her, like, a bad person. But, I don't know. Uh, can we talk about Carrie's mom a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Um, there is one moment where I was really confused what it meant. Um, mm -hmm. Where... I think Carrie and Tommy are at the dance mm -hmm. and she's talking about how it feels like she's having an okay time and people are like impressed how she looks and they're treating her nicely <laughs> and she goes if and if and if there was enchantment it was not divine but pagan and then in parentheses mama untie your apron strings I'm getting big and she wanted it that way and I read this and I wanted your thoughts because I have like not a clue what this means even oh, do kind you of. know what that saying apron strings means mm -mm. so I know what an apron is uh, a lot of people use it I'm all right I will answer this question but at the end of the book there's this little thing that says like Bob Dylan a pop star from the 1960s and when I read it I was like who doesn't know who Bob Dylan is what the fuck but I realized I know who Bob Dylan is because I'm of a certain age and like maybe someone Daniel's age wouldn't know so like that was like accurate in him presenting that and I'm realizing that's what's happening with apron strings <laughs> so 
people generally say like, oh, let go of your mama's apron strings or oh. untie your mom's apron strings. But it's in regards to like a man who is a mama's boy. And I think it comes from like that image of when you're little, you would hang yeah. on to your mom's apron strings and like an follow on her his around. Mom's tail. Yeah, so a lot of people will say like, you gotta cut them apron strings. Yeah. Uh, I guess people don't wear aprons now. It's probably why we don't have that same. I guess I think yeah because um, the economic situation in the United States just keeps getting worse and worse for the middle class. So the domestic and engineer, the housewife, is like gone. Yeah, out of like there's no like what is a housewife, and I don't right. know that housewives actually wear apron strings or aprons. I I think it's funny you brought up that part of the book though because. I had to read it a couple times too because I've never heard that turn of phrase used in that context before. Right. Yeah. And then I also was like, what's she talking about like divine and pagan for? Like I feel like Carrie went to prom and like some kind of like glittery cloud of ether or magic dust entered her brain. Yeah. <laughs> she got all like, I'm in Venice or something. Like I don't know. She got kind of like Giddy. It was the glamour. The yeah. capital G glamour. It was the capital Glee ja G glamour. The capital Glee jammer. Capital Glee glamour. But uh, <laughs> I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't make fun of you because I'm totally stumbling no, I, and it's fine. But um, <laughs> speaking of like the glamour and stuff, I think it's really interesting. Carrie's mom has all these ideas about Jesus and the devil and whatever. I think it is very clear reading this book. Carrie's mom is a witch. Well, thank you for bringing that point up, Daniel. I think that runs in her family. Right. Yeah. I talked about... Oh, no, sorry. I'm mixing up a different story. Yeah. Um, they... Car uh, Carrie's mom has a little, like, reminisce about her grandmother. And now that you said that... Like, I didn't think that until this moment. But now that you said that, like, she talks about how her grandma would laugh uncontrollably, and that's very witch-like. And then at the end, there's the whole little excerpt about uh, a cousin or something, and then they talk about the grandma again, and she's described very witch-like. And if you think about the fucking altar space in her closet... <laughs> yeah. Even... And the hours of prayer... Right. Or invocation she spends in there. Uh, and then, like, just the whole symbolism of her, like, wanting to cut Carrie with a knife three times. Right. Talking about doing blood magic, doing blood she's, sacrifice, yes. making rituals and stuff. I'm like, girl, this is magic. Yeah. No. She's definitely a witch. Uh, wow. That was deep, dude. I'm very intelligent. You very. That was, like, uh, I never would have got there on my own. Right. I love it, though. I just, it seems so odd that she's going to sacrifice Carrie because Carrie has the ability to do magic and sacrifice? her solution to that is like to do that's a big witch blood theme. magic. <laughs> um, another thing that I thought was odd was um, toward the end, Margaret, we're seeing a part of the story from Margaret's point of view and she thinks about Carrie being three years old, looking on the the devil's whore next door, looking in sin at the devil's whore next door. The at scene three. we talked about last so week crazy. with the neighbor in the two-piece bathing suit. Carrie is three years old. And I she's know. like, what's going on over there? I thought she was way older when we read that. Because we don't find out she's three until later, right? No, she was three in the story, and we knew that. We did? So it, I don't so it's remember. a three-year-old girl being like, what's that? And she goes, it's my breast, Carrie. Wow. That makes it so much more, like... 
to me that makes the relationship between Carrie and her mom so much more intense because her mom was like fucking throwing her in the blue closet already at three years old. Right. I mean, obviously, but like, wow. Right. There was no, there was no childhood for Carrie. There was no like human personhood. Which, so, this is a question I kind of thought. <sighs> would someone who actually grew up in that situation, would they be as normal as Carrie presents in the story? I think her going to public school was what did it. Her, like, being exposed to regular people, even if all they did was torture her the whole time. She was at least able to see what regular relationships look like. Yeah. Regular interactions between people. That's true. And you can learn a lot from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It was just so horrific. And then to think of just, like, 16 years of that. That's the real horror of the book. Yeah, that's the real horror of the book. Um, Can we talk about briefly, there was a couple things uh, in King's writing that I thought he did really nicely if you were, like, paying close attention. Yeah. Uh, So I really enjoyed the way he used the witness testimony um, to show, like, character without, like, describing, like, this person was this or this, he thought this or... Like, you could tell so much about the two people in the court testimony just by from the dialogue. Like, I thought, fantastic. I loved it. And then the guy, who's obviously less educated, uh, talks about Carrie having blood on her hands and then rubbing it on her dress. And I don't know, like, if you're a Shakespeare person, but that's, like... Ophelia. Macbeth. Like, that's a total scene for Macbeth. Like, Lady Macbeth can't get the blood out of her hands. uh, Or wash them off her hands. And I was, I thought that during the testimony, and then later on, he actually, King actually says she was like Lady Macbeth, and I was like, "Hell yeah, thanks, oh, King! Yeah. I really loved it." Uh, and then there's this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I'm a nerd for that kind of stuff. I'm just like, yes, that's what I thought he was doing, and it was. Uh, and then there's this other part where like. Uh, his description of people getting electrified alive. Oh my god. Oh my the fucking the, god. Yeah. Right. Terrible. So, but there's this uh, part where like the electric poles, the wires are falling, and then like Catherine Sparks come out. And I'm like, what is. Catherine Will, yeah. Yeah, Catherine Will Sparks. I'm like, what is that? So I looked it up. And it was the torture wheel they put St. Catherine on. And I was like, Mwah! <laughs> like yeah. it's so good. Right. It's so good. I love that kind of shit. Anyway, sorry, I interrupt you. No, 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 you didn't. I was just going to talk about, like, I have not a ton of notes because the whole second yeah. half of the book is just the action happening of Carrie getting the dud, the blood dumped on her, the bucket falls on Tommy's head, he dies, Carrie tries to get away, can't, people start laughing at her, she goes, she runs away out of the building, and then she realizes she can go back and hurt people, so from there, she slams the doors shut with her mind, turns on the sprinklers, the electricity is going crazy. She burns down that place. She burns down the other place. And um, it's just the action is happening, happening, happening. And then we're watching the action happen from one character's perspective. Then we're reading witness testimony. Then another character's perspective. Then the book, the imaginary book, The Shadow Exploded. That's like a info book about how this happened that was written later on. And it's just like, I couldn't 
tear myself away from the book to write any notes because I was just like, what happens, what happens? And like, it was making me like physically ill. And like we were talking about with Carrie's mom being like, your dad raped me and I enjoyed it. It's like, oh no, no. There's another Margaret. part like that too where Billy and uh, Chris have sex in the roadhouse place yeah. before it all goes to shit. And they're like slapping each other and spitting each other's faces. And you're like, this is awful, but I can't stop reading it. Right. <laughs> but I want to look away. But I won't. Right. I'm gonna cover my eyes, but I'm gonna peek. I also wanted to say in that scene, Chris gets her shirt torn off her back, right. the zipper ripped, and then when they find out what Carrie did, she puts her clothes on. So you oh, figure right. you figure that out. Right. No, there was another. So they're sitting in the thing. Uh, right. Right. And the yeah. guy comes and tells them, and they're talking. And Billy the whole time is naked. Naked. Yeah. Because that's how you show. On. That's. That's how you show what a man he is. Right. He's that like, you want to look at my, want to look at my dong, look at my dong. I'm telling you, this. sorry, I don't know why I'm died. telling you that. And then he died. <laughs> Did you? Maybe I like went, blah blah. Was he gay? Did he love his friend? Because in the end of that little parentheses thing, he's like, I wish it was you, and I can't remember whose name it was, but it was like a guy's name, and I was like, wait. Is that why he was beating the shit out of Chris? Because he wants to be with a man? I don't know. Maybe like... Is it this part? Yeah. Carrie, just like the dogs. Yeah. Carrie, just like the goddamn dogs. Carrie, Brucey, I wish it could yeah. be Carrie, be you. So how huh. I read it was Carrie, the part where it says Carrie in all caps is like That's Carrie. Him. That's because he's in the car. Carrie's yeah. away. He's driving toward her, going to hit her with the car. So like that's her interrupting his thoughts. Right. So I read it without the Carrie, like just like the dogs, yeah. just like the goddamn dogs. Bruce, I wish it could be you. Um, and I was like, I miss what? That's what I meant about like King telling you so much in that little like bloop. Corey, you are the intelligent one. <laughs> uh, plot twist: I'm the intelligent one. <laughs> who didn't think that? Who listening to this is not the one who thought that? We're both intelligent that's in our why, own fantastic way. That's why we have a podcast together. Yeah, exactly. Cause. I was thinking a lot about it too. Like, uh, podcasting by myself is fun. It's fine. I like it. But podcasting with other people is funner because they think about things differently than me, and it's nice to yeah, be totally. Like, oh, what? And you catch stuff that oh, I didn't yeah. catch. Yeah, yeah you did too, like, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I was just like, well, for the book plot twist, <laughs> and now his character makes so much sense because he really did care about his hair and how he looked and stuff. And, oh no, it was George Daw. There was at one point where someone calls someone else queer. Uh, whatever. Uh, at one point at the prom, they, like, just got to prom, and, um, this is my, maybe my favorite line of the book. Ooh. All caps. <laughs> Vibes! <laughs> yeah! George yelled suddenly. I just think it's so wonderful. That whole part of that book, I felt... Uh, sorry, the whole part of, like, when they enter prom and then they're like, and Carrie's palling around with Tommy's friends. I was like, bruh, did King not interact with people? <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture in the back of the book. I, I saw that shit. And I almost texted it to you. I'll put it on Instagram because, damn. <laughs> it's illustrative. <laughs> it's so good. I was like, yes, 
This is the man that wrote that book. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure, this is the man. No questions asked. Was like, I'm going to write a book about the trauma of menstruation. But also teach you something about telekinesis. <laughs> I mean, it works. We it works. still talk about it today, and that's why uh, he has 100,000 movies and television shows and books out. It works. Um, I, so, I don't know if you listened to it or not, but today I had a Word Wednesday episode come out, and it was about Clive Barker. I read mm -hmm. from his book, Cabal. Do you know who Clive Barker is? I don't. Okay. Do you know Hellraiser? Um, the, like, TV comic movies? book dude? Yeah, uh, he's, like, got pins in his head. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then he also wrote a book that inspired Candyman. Do you know Candyman? No, but I, literally an hour ago before yeah. we were recording, I was I saw a TikTok where somebody was making a Capricorn-themed cookie and talking oh. about a serial killer who was a Capricorn called the Candyman. Oh, so... <sighs> because he was like a gay guy who would give candy to oh. teenage boys to lure them so he could murder them. Oh, shit! You know what? That's a real person! Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's not... The Candyman I'm talking about is mythological... Well, I don't... Is he a nice In the son? context of... The, worse. Oh. He has a hook. Does the gay guy have a hook? The, the serial No, the candy is the hook. Okay. Oh, nice one, Daniel. No, he's got an actual hook. But he also... <laughs> like gives a pirate. You candy. Yeah, like a pirate. It's horrifying. Um, but... So, I guess you can say, like, Clive Barker is close in successfulness to Stephen King. Like, in the career. Because okay. he's had... At least three of his books made into movies. Like them and Dean Koontz and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that caliber of writer, if you want to go there. But I, what I noticed from reading or listening to myself read from Cabal is that Clive Barker can be telling you something equally as horrific, if not more so, than what Stephen King is telling you. But... Reading Clive Barker gave me a sense of like wonderment mm. and like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Like, this is like, yes, it's scary, but it's also like, you know, fantastic and interesting and like beautiful. Whereas, like, when you read Stephen King, it's just like disgust in my experience from just like reading Carrie. And then, like, I ask myself, like, why am I reading this? Um, and it just like, I thought it was just such an interesting juxtaposition and like Stephen King is successful for writing like nasty <laughs> hardcore he's very good shit. at creating disgust yeah like the whole revulsion. thing with like and I likes it when your dad rapes me like that was like ah, but you're also like oh my god but you're also like should I put this book away <laughs> But none of that with Clive Barker. Really? Yeah. But like he talks about worse stuff. Uh, similar, but similar content, but the mm, feeling isn't is different. Not even similar content. I would say worse content. Do you know anything about Hellraiser? Hmm. So how? So worse. like the way we like last week we had that moment where I went, it turned my stomach, and you went nauseating, and we we're like. <gasps> So it's like that's Stephen created that yes. feeling within us. He wrote in a yes. specific way to create that feeling in his audience. Like, what are the feelings that Clive Barker creates and how does he do that? So there's this in the Patreon. I'm so not trying to plug my stuff right now. But in the Patreon that I have, the episode that I did, 
Uh, I read an excerpt from The Hellbound Heart, which is the book that Hellraiser was based on. And I read a part where he describes his altar scene. Mm -hmm. And there's like a a jug of piss he's been keeping for seven days. And dove's heads on a platter. But there's also like flower petals strewn everywhere. It's just, I don't know, there's something. And then like the whole thing with Clive Barker in... But like some of the other things in Hellraiser is like... Uh, pleasure, no, pain so much that it turns into pleasure, but like for all of eternity. So, like, it's Ooh. terrifying. Like, I'm scared, but I'm also like, I love that cosmic intrigued. Scale stuff. Like, like, maybe like just a taste. Right. Whereas Stephen King, you're like, shut the book, shut the book. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody I read this. Like, I'm gonna paste I, on like, the cover of like Aragon believe, so that nobody knows that this I is what that. I'm going through. I can't believe I read it three times. Oh my god, I can't stop reading! <laughs> <laughs> just like... <laughs> I'm not that kind of girl. But you're like, tell me more! <laughs> it's it's totally... It's the Margaret White uh, pleasure revulsion schema. So I... We don't have to talk about that if you don't want, but like, I find that concept fascinating because have you ever seen Gone with the Wind? No, I read the beginning of the book when I was like Ooh, 11. It's a lot of... That's a lot of words in that book. Um, <laughs> but there's this one scene in the movie. It's like famous where Rhett like takes her right. upstairs. And then in the morning when she wakes up, she's like, dee, 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 best day ever. <laughs> 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 but like, I don't know how I, like when I was younger, I thought like, that's cool. That's how it is. Cause like you watch fucking Harrison Ford movies and that's what you think is normal. But getting older, I'm like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. You know? <laughs> no. <laughs> really? Kind of, no, I okay. don't. Okay, yeah. Um, I feel like that kind of calls back to like the whole like kind of theme of sexual assault that we're kind of going over. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that it's written about in the book twice, there's mm-hmm. a rape that they're like, it, there's pleasure. Like, ooh. But, um... That's interesting because when, in what I think of as the climax of the book, when Sue finds Carrie and they have their meeting. Which is very intimate and well done, I felt like. Very intimate. Then Carrie is like, why would you do this to me? Because Sue is the one who made Tommy invite her to the prom, which is the whole, whatever. Um, She's like, why would you do this to me? You did this on purpose. I don't like to be tricked, which is something she says multiple times in the book. I don't like to be tricked. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all, we don't like to be Nobody tricked. Nobody likes, especially when it's like a trick that's made to make someone feel bad. No one likes that. Right. But then so Carrie, psychic mind powers, Sue uh, like invites her. Yeah, like, she says, search, look. Like, look, look in my mind. Which she, I was like. like <gasps> right. But, it, but then eventually, and it's talking about like searching through it and finding the shelf yeah, like marked, whatever. Running her fingers on whatever. the book titles in her mind. Like, yeah. Mwah! Right. But then, <laughs> so that experience at, at one point after a certain point, Sue is like, stop, stop. I don't want to like, okay, like you've got, you've found what yeah. you're like, stop, stop. He describes that as rape. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that. So it's like he knows that rape is not a pleasurable experience. So why is rape... It just, to me, bugs me that rape is used as a metaphor for something that's incredibly displeasurable Mm -hmm. and violating when twice we see actual rapes in this book and the women are like... (laughs) 
That gone with the wind floating on a cloud thing. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it in terms of perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he doesn't I am, use the word in the other two situations. He just shows. He just shows it, and I am like making a lot of assumptions because I'm not these people in this book. I'm not these characters. But I think even though, so when Chris and Billy were doing it, like Chris liked it because she liked it. She made her feel good. I don't fucking know like why she liked it, but obviously she liked it for some reason, so it was okay. Yeah. Even and though then, she said, stop it, stop it, get off me, get off me. Yeah, which is and so, punched him and spat on him. Which is so fucking problematic in real life. Thank God men don't know how to read. Ugh, fuck, yeah. And then, so, but this is a man writing the book. And then when Carrie's mom does it, she openly admits to it, so that tells you that she liked it. And then maybe King, like, there's, there's this juxtaposition of, like, very violent physical acts with the very unseen act of Carrie rummaging through someone's mind, which is, like, very personal, right? And so that's why he uses the word rape, because that is more disturbing, intimate, than the physical act of rape. Yeah. Yeah. It's the mental violation, the exertion yeah. of power. So I'm really glad you brought this up because uh, there's this other podcast I listen to. I think I've talked to you about her before, the Jessa Reed one. Mm -hmm. But one of her things that she talks about with like ascension and blah, 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 is like as a human species, we're headed into being able to read each other's minds. Mm -hmm. And we can't do that until like we're okay with everybody knowing what we think. So I mm. felt like that was a really nice example of like why people don't want you to know what they think in their minds because it's very invasive guilty and and i also thought it was interesting that uh stephen king said he never knew what Sue's Sue motivation. Snell's motivations were but he was like in her fucking mind right so yeah. and yeah and then i think that was a like you saying that last week before i read this part in the book i was like oh he's literally creating a scene to investigate that yeah to from carrie's point of view like rifle through everything that he has on her and figure it out and there was something in there that in sue snell's mind that was not she said carrie looked like a pig yeah. or something or like she should try harder or what did she expect so like there is that little hint of like oh There's sue snell disdain. you weren't doing it all because like you want her to have a great experience uh sorry <laughs> some of my synapses just fired <laughs> Uh, so we mentioned how Sue gets her period at the very end of the book. And I was like, when I read, when I was reading the book, that was after I watched 400 people die and like fires explode and people dance because they were shocked with electricity. So it didn't occur to me at the time. That moment isn't just like a cheesy way to bookend the book with like you open with Carrie's period, mm. you close with Sue's. I was like, oh, whatever, Stephen. But it's significant that she has her period in this for like because of the plot because it's revealed earlier that um her dead boyfriend tommy had knocked her up so now like she's so it's like we found out that she's pregnant and tommy's dead boom and then not no more because she has her period damn i never caught that shit and, and that's the curse of the blood well, I was also thinking as you were talking about that, that's like the final blood offering. When we're talking about the women being witches. It's Sue's baby's it's blood. Blood offering. Uh, blood offering. Corey. Whoa, it's a blood offering of the innocent. That's, wow. 
<gasps> the because in- Tommy, Tommy's the so innocent. 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 And, <gasps> and I couldn't really tell, but I think. And the pigs. No, like, well, those poor pigs. Like the fucking potato chips around the pig's mouth. Can you spare me that detail, Stephen King? Because I can't get it out of my head. Um, <laughs> when he when they killed the pigs, yeah, I couldn't have it. But I, I, did Tommy die when the bucket? Did Tommy die from the bucket hitting him on the head? Yeah. Uh, no, I think that knocked him out, and then he died like in from, the fire or something. But that's think... what I couldn't, because I was trying to, I couldn't tell if like did Carrie kill him or did the bucket kill him or did he, did the bucket like knock him out and then he died? Like I couldn't quite figure it out. Yeah, I think, I think that he wasn't dead, dead from the bucket, but. He was, like, on his way? Yeah. I don't think he would have come back from that had the rest of it not happened. That's just okay, the sense that I Okay, that's the get. sense that I got, too. But then that makes it even more significant that it was his baby's blood offering his, his because he was, like, the offering. innocent that got sacrificed before before the huge, right? Like, the right. huge... Because he really... And he really draws it out. Um, yeah. Where it's, like, the buckets fall and... It's silent. Everybody's filled with horror. Somebody screams, oh my god, that's blood. And then somebody else laughs because, and they describe, like, well, it's Carrie White. It's like, you're either going to laugh or you're going to cry. And what are we going to cry for Carrie White? So fucked up. And then, and then it starts going on. But, <sighs> yeah. And he does, King does this really nice thing where, like, he rewinds it a bunch. Yeah. So you get to experience it from, like, all these different perspectives. And this is a debut novel. Yeah, it's like, it's impressive. Like, right. I was just like... It's really remarkable. What fucking, like, muse was sitting on his shoulder? Or, like, what demon was with... I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't come up with his own. But, like, just from writing... Uh, I think I'm going to talk about this with Anthony. So I guess it may or may not be a spoiler alert. But I'm writing a book. And just from, like, writing a book, I've experienced moments where, like, parts of the story just, like, appear in my brain. Oh, and yeah. I bark them out. So yeah. I'm just, like, curious, like... What was stuff he thought of? What was stuff that just was like the muse delivered to him? Yeah. But either way, fantastic. I had stuff like that where I was like, oh, this character is going to die. And then I have to write a character dying. I'm like, I don't like right. doing this. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've heard other authors talk about that too. But just... Other authors? I'm not an author. <laughs> you, Dad is like, I'm not an author, but I've only written two books. <laughs> so there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode two of our conversation performance. Uh, and we'll see know. you. We're going to watch 1970. We Six. are going to watch the 1976 version of Carrie and then talk about it. So if you would like to join us, uh, that's what's happening. Yeah. Sissy SpaceX. I'm super excited to see her on film for some reason. Follow the vibes, but only yeah. if they're right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Later. So long.